Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 9 of season 7 where we're focusing on the barbecue scene in this beautiful wide brown land that is Australia. I've started off this season by talking to the top five ABA and KCBS teams, and today's guest is Dan White from Country Boys Barbecue. Now, Dan and his team are well known for two things. One, of course, winning competition barbecues, barbecue competitions, (laughs) and two, the distances they're willing to travel for a barbecue comp. Now, I last saw Dan in person in Townsville. I flew there and back. He drove 16 hours each way with his team. So we're, we're going to get the story behind that. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we're also going to find out how, how Dan got into barbecue, his, his origin story, if you will. We're going to find out about his 2019, how that went, and I'm pretty sure he's got some big plans for 2020. I don't know if you've been watching on the socials. Um, he has just published a brand new logo. So he's obviously got some things on the boil, and we're going to ask him about that, and we're going to find out all about that as well. Um, at the time of recording, he's just finished competing at Harvey Bay, so we're going to get into that. Um, I couldn't be there this year. I had some, uh, uh, let's say, personal issues with a disgruntled landscaper that I had to deal with, um, so I couldn't make it up to Harvey Bay. Uh, we're going to talk about road tripping for barbecue, as I said before, and Dan also is equally comfortable competing solo or competing in a team. So we're going to talk about the differences there and the different challenges, uh, the pros and cons of each team format. And then we're going to get into open beef. Now, Dan is very pro-open beef, which is a bit of a controversial kind of standpoint at the moment. But he has a background in butchery. So his insights into the different cuts that are possible to go into a box are going to be very, very interesting. So I'm super excited about hearing all about that. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this podcast. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hey, Dan, welcome to The Confessional. Thank you for joining me tonight on the show. G'day, Ben. Thanks for having me. Anytime, my friend. You've been a good friend of the show for a long time and it's great to have you in here for a deep dive episode of the podcast. Uh, Thanks, mate. So let's kick things off with your uh, origin story. I'm pretty sure that everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to know who Country Boys Barbecue are or is, um, but tell us how it all started. Um, it all started back in 2016. I suppose like with a lot of people um, who have got into barbecue and things like that, it all started with um, sort of we, we were watching television, we came across the barbecue pitmaster show, my friend Andrew and I. Um, we we sort of watched a couple of episodes and thought this is amazing sort of thing. Um, we'd done a bit of a Google and it actually came up with the barbecue mafia from Brisbane here as well. And it just so happened that sort of the next weekend they were having a, uh, a barbecue masterclass with the Shank Brothers um at a, uh, at, I think it's the barbecue place, I think it's called, or something like that. And I got talking to Drew from the um, from the mafia, and I spoke to him for about twenty minutes about pork ribs. I mean, everybody, um, you know, you go 
to the pub or you go out and it's uh, pork ribs is always on the menu and I absolutely love them. So, and they were actually cooking them over charcoal and I'd never seen it before done like that. And when I got to taste it, it just sort of blew my mind. And I, um, as I say, I sat there and talked to Drew for a little bit and um, sort of, it just sort of went from there. We went back and uh, I don't know, a lot of people may have seen our pit. It's, it's an old boat trail that we actually built a, um, a barbecue on and um, we went back home, Andrew and I, and we sort of spoke about what we wanted to do and that was it. We wanted to do comp barbecue. So we um, built a built a, uh, a barbecue on our boat trailer <laughs> and um, have been travelling around ever since, mate. Mate, that is fantastic. If anyone's going to get you into barbecue, it would be the Mafia and the Shank guys for sure. Oh, absolutely. I can't. As I say, I, I can't thank them guys enough. It's um, even even today, even today, it's you know I talk to those guys and I uh, I still hold hold them in such high regard. They, they're the people that have been able to um, help, and they still inspire me with some of the things that they put out. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah, the the creativity of of both those guys, oh, those teams is just is just phenomenal. It's it's amazing stuff. So were you already into cooking barbecue in the backyard, like low and slow barbecue before then, or did you just jump straight into competition barbecue? No, I sort of jumped straight into competition barbecue, but um, being a butcher and things like that, I've, I started my apprenticeship out in the bush and we used to make all of our own hams and bacons and, and small goods and things like that. So, oh, so good. The, the, a little bit of smoking side of things, but um, never actually had cooked a brisket as far as I was concerned. Um, you know, brisket was either diced up or it was corned um, for corned beef sort of thing. I never actually heard of brisket um, being, you know, slow cooked or anything like that. So it was um, quite a quite a learning curve sort of thing to be able to um be able to cook a cook a brisket and have it and have it taste pretty good. So, how many goes did it take before you before you got a brisket that that you were happy with? Did you just sort of pick it up straight away, or are you a bit like me and it sort of took a while to uh, to get around the brisket? Well, Ben, if you've hung around country boys enough to know that uh, we we still aren't able to cook the perfect comp brisket. We we get some good calls. There's no doubt about it, but for a consistent sort of brisket sort of cook, um, we're still chasing it. It's the hardest sort of cut to um, be able to master. And I've tasted some phenomenal briskets. Um, Ash from um, Manning Valley, he, he's one of the best brisket cooks that I know, Chris from the Smoke and Not Bros even. Their briskets are, are, are phenomenal. And, and that's what I strive to do is just keep up with them guys. And um, it's just one of those one of those things. I'm still chasing it. Yeah, yeah, at Ash in particular. And uh, and and as you said, Chris as well. But, yeah, I mean, Ash has travelled to the US. He's up for his third round at the uh, at the World Barbecue Championships now, all, all based on his brisket. So, uh, yeah, he, that guy definitely knows what he's doing with brisket. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I've competed with him. On, on my team as well a couple of times and um, 
I mean, if you get the chance to taste his burn ends, I mean, they are just phenomenal. Seriously, they are amazing. And as I say, that that's the sort of thing that I strive to do is to is to get something because obviously I'm up against them guys, so I need to be able to compete up to their level. So I'm always chasing sort of the perfect brisket. Yeah, yeah. I um, you you mentioned bird ends. They're they're one of my favourites, and you always hear them described as like uh, meat meat marshmallows. And I'd never really sort of found one that that had the consistency of a or the mouthfeel of a marshmallow until I tried Scotch and Smokes um, burn ends down at Meatstock Melbourne there one year. Have you ever tried some of Nick's? Oh, absolutely. He was um he was sort of behind us at the Invitational. And I mean, them guys, them guys as well are, are another crew that are just phenomenal cooks as well. Yeah, I don't know what witchcraft he does on those burnt ends, but man, I want to learn. I want to find out what that is because they were Absolutely. insane. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I guess that, that brings us up to 2019. So if you started in 16, 17, 18, 19 would, would have been your fourth year in, in competition barbecue. Tell us about how the year went for you. Um, 2019, it was, it was pretty good. We, um, we only did 10 competitions throughout the, um, throughout the year. Uh, um, I did two solo, what we would call two solo competitions, um, by myself. So eight as a, eight as a sort of a full team. Um, we didn't do too bad. Um, we did, we worked it out. We did over 41,000 kilometers um, is what our, our pit trailer had actually done um, with all the with all the um, comps that we did. Um, we did a couple of classes up at Townsville um, as well, two classes up at Townsville. So it was sort of a given that we had to, you know, go to go to Townsville. Got such a um, a great love and respect for North Queensland barbecue, especially with having mates up there that have cooked with me um like travis from tb2 and got michael from riverway meets up there who's a great bloke too so it was good just to go up there and um and, and cook up there again um and that's where i last saw you um yeah it was just a it was just a great sort of year for us we finished fifth overall which is um which is pretty huge with the caliber of cooks that turning up to these barbecue comps week in and week out it's just you've got to be on your on your a game all the time and it's one of those things that anybody can win it's really the caliber of cooks now is just amazing oh yeah you you see the photos that people are putting out of their competition boxes and i i look at them and i just go wow like the the competition scene is just so sharp at the moment Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have a look at um, back at some of the photos that we took of our boxes and, and I've, I've left them up. I've even left them up on, on our social pages. And you go back to um, have a look at those. And we did Up and Smoke in Adelaide, I think, um, in 2000 and I think it was 16 or 17. I'll have a look at that box. And it was, fourth, uh, it was first place in pork ribs. And I look at that box and, you know, we were in in our first season sort of thing in that. And I look at what we're turning in now and the people that are competing now, it's only their second, second, you know, third 
sort of um, comp and, and they're turning in boxes very similar. And I go, this has taken me two or three years to learn how to box <laughs> And you guys are, are doing it amazing. Yeah, the uh, the learning curve seems to be just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Now, um, you mentioned before that you only did 10 competitions. Now, to most people listening, that is a ton of competitions, but how many do you usually do in a year? We normally do between that 10 to 14 sort of comps a year. And, that, and that's sort of ABA and KCBS. But now with the sort of the SCA um, as well, sort of we're chasing those sorts of points as well. And it's just a, an, another great sort of thing that we're able to sort of do at a competition as well. You know, the, the Saturday sort of aspect of it as well is bump in and, and get an SCA cook done, especially with the, the meat stocks or the Brisbane barbecue festival or something like that. Um, it's also good, you know, for the public to be able to see something when they come to these events as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit rough when they turn up on the Monday and there's kind of not a whole lot of stuff going on until 10 o'clock at night. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the SCA certainly it, it is a draw card for the crowd. Now, I was going to ask about um, about the SCA and if that was something that, that you're into. So, obviously it is? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's just great. I mean, it's being able to uh, cook a steak and things like that, but it's also too all, all the other ancillary categories that are around. I, th- I think it just goes so well with you know barbecue and and mateship and things like that. What barbecue is all about, and um, you know, like who who doesn't like a good hot dog or who doesn't you know spruik about how who makes the best chicken wings and things like that. So. I mean, the SCA is just another good way of um, being able to still be with your mates and and being able to cook some food, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Now, do you have any chefs in your team? I do. I have uh, Dave from Low and Slow Meat Co. He's he's one of our full-time sort of members. Um, he, He pretty much comes to... 90% 90% of the competitions with me, that he'll either fly in or, um, or or drive up with me, depending on sort of how tight his schedule is with his kids and things like that. But he's um, he's definitely there all the time. And how does he like the SCA? Because I've heard other teams talk and they say that the chefs on their team either really love it or they really don't because all the emphasis on the creativity and the precision and the presentation – it just it feels too much like the restaurant for them. He's very particular. Yeah, um, he is the when the box gets when the box closed, he, he's the last one to sort of pick at it or look at it. Um, you know, use tweezers to make sure everything's right. So for him, I think the the burger side of things, and um, obviously your wings and and all those sorts of things, it's sort of just good to be able to um, do something that's sort of simple, if you know, if it, if it could be called simple, but also too he's got his, you know, a bit of a creative flair and, and those sorts of things too for the way that he either garnishes the box or, you know, prepares the, prepares the burger. Yeah, right. Fair enough. 
And you also said that you'd done 41,000 kilometres on your homemade smoker boat trailer. Was that just this year or is that in the last five years? No, that's just last year. Oh, my God. Just last year. <laughs> I mean, we did a, as, as, as we spoke about before, it's, we went to, obviously, to Townsville. So there's um, there's sixteen hundred k's up and back because I don't actually live in Brisbane. I, I live sort of out of um, Brisbane, a bit past Ipswich. Um, we also did um, Robert Thraves's um, meat and mudgie. We went to mudgie, so by the time we went through the back way and and things like that, there's nearly um, nearly a thousand k's through there with roadworks. That's each way, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've done, we went to Giricle and, and things like that and a few competitions that we went to Sydney. So it doesn't take that long to really rack up those 40,000 Ks in uh, in a year. No, it, uh, it, it'd be quite easy when you sort of put it like that. And um, so we're going to sort of get into the interstate travel a bit later on. Um, but uh, why do you sort of look for competitions that are interstate? Well, it's with with our sponsors and things like that. If our sponsors are jump on board on a on a particular um, competition or things like, we like to go there and, and represent our um, represent our sponsors as well. But also too, if if we're not able to all be together cooking that, that particular weekend, um, but like. Townsville, for instance, as I said, we went up there and done some barbecue classes. But um, Giricle, for instance, um, with Mitch from Badass Barbecue, um, you know, we, we use their injections and, and some of their rubs and things like that. And pretty much that Mitch had already won that twice before. Um, and, you know, Badass Barbecue sort of had a, a bit of a, a year off sort of competing and, and things like that. But also too, to, um, with our, as I said, with our sponsorship and things like that, it was like, well, you know, we'll go because it's sort of Mitch's um, home home sort of comp. He was living around there at the time. And so we went down there and um, actually won the Giricle comp as well. So um, it was just good to, to do those sorts of things for your sponsors. Yeah, super cool. So of all those competitions then, you mentioned Giracool, um oh, it's not Meat Meat, um, Meat in Mudgy and yes. uh, Townsville, Brisbane Barbecue. What was your favourite competition of 2019 and why? Um, I've got to say, it, it was Townsville. Me too, it I think. It was Townsville. The, the atmosphere that was up there, was amazing, I think, because, you know, it's so fresh and so new. So you feed off those that energy as well. Um, the guys put on such a, a great comp and they, um, you know, they said to us, like, there's going to have, uh, there's going to be, you know, we, we said like 10.30, I think it was, or 11 o'clock is the opening time for the public to come and watch, but... We had people coming in at eight o'clock in the morning talking to us. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it, it was just amazing to have that sort of energy around you where people are that excited about 
barbecue because it sort of reinvigorates you again and gets and gets you cooking better. Um, I mean, there, there was some there was some fantastic. I mean, you had um, Chris from MyQ from you. You had um, Daniel Barrett flew in all the way from Melbourne up there for that sort of comp. Um, say, and I mean the the caliber of cooks that North Queensland has. It's just the travel that they, um, you know, that obviously that they would have to travel to do a comp. But I mean, the caliber of cooks that they got up there was just phenomenal. It really was. Tasting some of their food, you had people bringing your food all the time. But um, yeah, it was it was great. It was probably the best comp that that I'd done in a very long time. I really enjoyed it too, and I'm super keen for this year. Have you seen who the who the special guest is that they brought in? Um, no, I haven't. They're bringing in Diva Q. Oh, that's amazing. Danielle Bennett. How awesome is that going to be? That's amazing. Uh, I, I can just imagine how excited the uh, the girls from Queens of Q are going to be about that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and those girls can Q. Oh, absolutely. That was their first comp and they got multiple calls. That was madness. Oh. I mean, I think the girls got fourth overall. They did, yeah. And I mean that that is just that is just crazy. I mean, um, obviously, you know, as I said, the, the girls can absolutely cook, but to be able to get such a high um, sort of placing, especially with, as I said, the caliber of cooks, um, you know, Travis was there from TV two, and he definitely knows how to cook. He's cooked with me four or five times, so he, he definitely knows what's going on as well, and he's cooked himself a few times in comp so um yeah good to them yeah they are very good now so that's 2019 you released a photo on facebook there just a few days ago maybe a week ago of a brand new logo so i'm assuming you've got big plans for 2020 what do you got in the in the pipeline that you can share with us so 2020 um was all is just about bringing in, um, making things new again, really. We've, um, a lot of, a lot of people might know, um, Blair from, um, Bears Barbecue or Crafted Q or even Lane's Barbecue, um, with Brett Stokes, one of our other sponsors, but Blair's also cooked with me, um, multiple times as well. And I was talking to Blair and, he just said that he wanted to get back into comp barbecue and, and things like that. We just got to talking and he, he was more or less just a, hey, do you want another teammate? And I just went, you know what? Sure, we've cooked heaps of times together um, and, and we're, we're mates outside of barbecue and, and things like that as well. So it all just seemed to fit and, um, and we were just talking and I went, about a new logo and he went, okay. So he set to design in a new logo and when I looked at it, we just put it up on our sort of our our chat that we have for the team and everybody was just in the grants that this is amazing. So um, we uh, have just decided to go with that. Um, I've got a new smoker in the works as well. Ooh, is um, is is Blair in on that? Because I know he makes some pretty sexy smokers himself. Yeah, so uh, talking to Blair and things like that. Um, as you know, the boat trailer 
definitely does have a lot of kilometres under its belt. Um, <laughs> even for this, I, I actually cracked the chassis in it on the uh, way home from the Invitational. And when I got it home, I, I washed it out and put it in the shed sort of thing. And I thought I'll, I'll um, fix that. And then eight weeks went past and I pulled it out to um, pack it all up to head to Harvey Bay. And then I realised that we hadn't fixed the... We hadn't fixed it, so it was a case of bringing a, a mate of mine, Ben. And Ben came over with us and we uh, we fixed it up and loaded it and headed pretty much straight to Harvey Bay that morning. What, did you just sort of tack weld the cracks back together or something? Um, no, Ben's Ben's not like that. It has to be fixed properly, otherwise, um, yeah. He said it's still driveway warranty once you leave. There's <laughs> but still... Um, he made sure that, you know, it was all braced and, and welded some gussets in and things like that and braced it up properly. So she's um, definitely got another 40,000 Ks in it. But just with just with the um, cooking that we're sort of doing now and, and that, um, we just opted to go for a, a bit bigger smoker and, and that sort of stuff because we do, especially with a – if there's a, a comp where there's any more than sort of four proteins, we sort of um, do struggle for, for room just with the sort of the, the size pit that we do have. So um, we always cook on a gateway and, and that as well. But, um, yeah, it was just more of a let, let's just get a new smoker. The whole team has put in put a little bit of an input into what they think that we need and, what we don't really use with this sort of trailer. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, a perfect fit that we're going to go with a, a new smoker as well. Very cool. And so are you sticking with the stick burner or are you moving to a uh, – I actually saw a pellet trailer when I was over in WA at the end of the year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we're still we're still sticking with the, um, with the stick burner, of course. Um, actually – Moving into reverse flow. That's interesting. So, um, I mean, with with all the classes that we've done with uh, low and slow and, and things like that, sort of to really develop a, a love for the reverse flow because, um, you know, them guys have, have, have got a few radar hills um, of robs and things like that and um, – just being able to to use those at low and slow and cook with those, you really do get a, a, an appreciation of um, how sort of even a temp that they actually do get. So um, we're moving into the reverse flow side of things. Well, I'm really excited to see how that um, how that all turns out. And are you going like you said? You're going a bit bigger. How how big are you going? 24, 26, 30? Yeah, we're going to we. Doing a, I think it's 32 inch. 32, wow. 32, three shells. And um, yeah, it's um, off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly how how long it is. But um, I mean, you look at like Primal Lions sort of trailer and that them guys have. I mean, they do a bit of catering and, and things like that. But I mean, that thing is just a, a beast or even the um the pit that the mafias have got i mean it's it's another weapon so they're just sort of 
thing that with the amount of kilometres that we use or that we do do, um, we need to be able to sort of carry a bit of uh, carry a bit of the weight sort of thing that we need as well. So it's definitely going to be a, a dual axle trailer and and the, and yeah, be up be up for the travel. So I'm. Um are we going to get an exclusive scoop here on the show? Is is Country Boys getting into pop-ups and vending? No, 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 not at all. We uh, we get asked that a bit through message and things like that. We're just um, happy to keep ourselves just doing this as a hobby. Um, as far as as far as um, pop-ups or, or things like that, no, we're not. Um, we just don't have the time between everyone with their day jobs and family. You've got to find that happy sort of medium. And, and I think that we've got it as a team. So, um, yeah, definitely none of that. It's just because of the amount of um, cooks that we're actually trying to do this this year. And, uh, you know, with the SCA and the KCBS and SCA side of things, it was just, it was just um, let's just get a bigger pit. Go big or go home sort of thing. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so we briefly mentioned Harvey Bay there when we were talking about your trailer and how it. Uh, you, you remembered that the chassis was cracked just before you left. Um, was that your first competition so far this year? Yes, mate. Yeah, it was. That was our introduction to 2020 yeah all right tell us all about it i wasn't able to get there this year oh it's a great great event that was our second year doing it it's been running for three years um that was our second time um competing there um it's a great it's a great venue it definitely is is um the the accommodations right there the guys have got um a great little hotel and it's on grass which is even better Always a winner when it's um, on grass. That's that's it. So I mean, I think there was twenty five or twenty seven teams there this year, and um, I mean, so and you know, we had um, guys come up from Sydney even to um, to compete. You know, it's just a, a great little competition. Ali puts on a great on a great comp. Wow, who was that that came up from Sydney? Um. Can't remember his name, mate. Sorry, uh, it's all right. Um, wasn't Lucas then? I, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't Lucas. Um, he got first place ribs. That's all I, I can remember. Uh-huh. Scotty there, East Blacklands. I was, I was just laughing. I was even. Lucas brings him up, wins first place ribs. He comes up, he won first place in ribs. Yeah, there must be something special they've got there at East Blacklands. Absolutely. Didn't they just win? Butcher of the Year at the ABA Awards? Uh, yeah, they did. They uh, did. That I must mean, be why. Um, that, this is it. I mean, it's only a, a little shop. Um, I've been there. I've been there myself. Um, and I think, and Scott's just a, an all-round great bloke, um, even outside of barbecue and, and things like that. So it was just, yeah, it's, it's a nice little boutique sort of shop. It's just great. 
Mm, beautiful stuff. It sounds like the Harvey Bay competition is starting to build a bit of a reputation for itself. I think last year I was there, I think there was 19 teams. You said there was 26 or 27 there this year. Um, do you think it's got room to grow in that site or will they need to move to another site next year? Um, if they wanted to grow, I think they've, they're going to have to they're going to have to move. Um, it's only a small little oval that we actually get to, to go on. Um, but, I mean, from everybody that was vending there, I know that the Smoking Hot Bros vended there and they actually sold out of um, all, all their sort of burger rolls. They, they did over 800 burgers. Um, they, they do a there. great job. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, to be able to do that in the, in the sort of the four or five-hour time frame that they actually had for selling, it was Chris and the boys um, done amazing. So, And there's was, there was plenty of other vendors um, there as well. But for the competition guys, as I say, it was just, it was just great. The, the Harvey Bay people were just so warm and loving as well. Yeah, Ali, the promoter, really seems to put the teams first, I think. She's uh, – she – uh, puts a lot of work into making sure that everyone's got what they need and the conditions are great. Like at, as we said, the grass and there's a swimming pool there, which is important because I know how hot that competition gets there on Australia Day. Oh, it's just so family friendly as well. I mean, last year, um, my my wife and kids um, came along and um, had the weekend there. My kids were always in and out of the pool. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the teams brought their families. Um, you know the dinner, the dinner there on the on the Friday and Saturday night because we stayed both nights is just great. Um, you know, it's just an all, it's just great for being able to take the family. You know, there's a there's hotel there right at, at um, on site where the barbecue comp is as well. So you just walk to your room. It's just it's just a, that's another great comp. It's one that we look forward to. Yeah, and the beach is only about what three blocks away, I think. Yeah, well. Being a boy from the bush, Ben, I'm not sort of into the beats and the sand <laughs> and everything like that. I can smell the salt air, that's for sure, but I never got to see any water. Oh, fair enough. I'm the opposite. I have to uh, I have to get in the ocean regularly or my skin goes funny. It's weird. Well, being right on the Gold Coast, I mean, I've been to your house before too as well, so, I mean, being right on the Gold Coast, you've got the best beach, don't you? Yeah, we're, we are pretty spoiled. <laughs> So uh, Harvey Bay is probably going to be one of the closer competitions that you're going to do to your home base there in 2020. We've already established yep. that um, you've done 41,000 kilometres on the trailer last year. You visited a couple of different states. Um, when it comes to road tripping for barbecue, how do you get yourself organised? How do you choose your competition? Sort of take us through the process. How do you how do you put all that together? So for being able to choose your competitions, um, you've, you've got to really think about, um, you know, who's, who's going to go with you if you can't do it. Um, are you going to be able to drive there and back and, and things like that in the uh, allocated time? If you don't um, and you're going to do a fly-in and fly-out sort of thing, um, this year... Um, for Meat Stock Melbourne, we're going to do the SCA in Meat Stock Melbourne. So it's we're not going to drive down, we're flying down, so it's going to be using um, other people's gear. 
um, and find a find a home underneath someone's marquee sort of thing for the Saturday, <laughs> and then just hang out on the on the Sunday. Um, so for those sorts of things, you've got to just put your feelers out for the through the barbecue community. Hey, who can bring us a Weber? Has somebody got some spare grill grates? And you know, generally people are, are so willing to to help. I mean, as I said before, I've been able to um, cook over at Adelaide um, and Dan Cohen over there was more than happy to, you know, organise us some gear and help us out when we went over to Adelaide for a cook. Um, If we cook um, in Sydney, for instance, um, even though we've got a, a run sheet of what we've got to pack and what we've, you know, have to take with us, doesn't mean it always makes it into the ute or onto the trailer <laughs> sort of thing. I hear that. So I'm for always borrowing different pieces. I mean, Lucas and I, if we're at the same competition, we find ourselves next to one another a lot and it's always, Lucas, can I have a roll of paper towel? Lucas, I forgot to bring the bottled water. You know, there's always something that either of us have forgotten that um the other person's got but it's, it's the same with any any other barbecue team um this weekend it was cake racks so the weekend just gone up at there i went and seen primal line and hit them guys up and said look i've left my cake racks at home knew exactly where they were I left <laughs> them on the bench and uh the guys from primal line are like here's our here's one of our cake racks bring it back at the end of the day sort of thing it's too easy so i mean so that's that's the um what's what's happened with us in the past and being able to borrow sort of gear as i said before choosing the sort of competition um if, if your sponsors are involved um you need to you need to obviously get behind and help your sponsors out because without them um you know your barbecue sort of can suffer so you want to be able to pay back to your sponsor and everything that you do and show them some appreciation so anything around brisbane sort of area um you know just to showcase how, how good a quality stuff that we do have at um low and slow and things like that um and firebrand for instance if they are sponsoring um a comp well then you're obviously going to jump on with them guys and and be part of their sponsored teams there. Um, your meat stocks and things like that. Um, Lane's Barbecue normally pop up at, at the meat stock events. So being that we're a sponsored team of theirs as well, we sort of jump on board and, and go to them. But meat stock and Paul and Bronnie's comp up at Bundaberg are normally on the same weekend at Sydney. Um, the meat stock in Sydney, sorry. And, um, Bronnie's barbecue battle are normally on on the same weekend. So um, tend to go up to Bronnie's because she does put on a, another great competition herself. She's Her and Paul are just wonderful people as well. So um, we tend to find ourselves driving just only the 350, 400 Ks up the road rather than the 1,000. Yeah, yeah. I was very lucky. Um, they were my neighbours three years in a row at the Burley Barbecue Competition. They are beautiful, beautiful people. Oh, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, um, her, her first year um, 
doing the barbecue battle, we were up there and we were actually right next door to um, Brett from Lane's Barbecue. And I, I think back, even back then when I first met her, you know, she's just so warm and, and caring and it's all about the teams. And, I mean, you know, with her and Paul, obviously, they've made it um, into a career now and, and that sort of thing with um, with their um, barbecue pop-ups and, and things that they do as well. So, I mean, they're just wonderful people. Yeah, what I love the most about them is that um, they're not the kind of people where you have a conversation with them and then you have to walk away and think about the conversation and think about what did it really mean. Oh, like absolutely. They, they, they say what they mean and they mean what they say and it's just it's always just honesty and truth yeah. and Ab- just absolutely. straight down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were talking about um, choosing competitions where sponsors are involved. So you were talking about how, uh, you know, Lanes is involved in meat stock and that sort of thing. Um, have you ever been to the Sun Pork competition in, I want to say, Kingaroy? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I have. Um, I, I thought that that was kind of – I haven't been out there yet, but I thought it was an interesting concept that a sponsor would actually be a promoter of the event, not just a sponsor inside somebody else's event. Um, do you know of any others out there? Um, well, Grant, Grant Coleman used to um, put on put on a comp and uh, his we used to use his beef um, down there as well when he was at the um, – the, the wing and beef, so it was the uh, I forget what it was called. That's right. Um, um, smoke he, in the valley. It, smoke in the valley. That's it. So um, you know, you'd get a, a grass fed and a, and a grain fed um, wing and beef brisket, and granted also supply um, the chicken, and we did do pork um, as well from Sun Pork. So it's very similar in the way that um, the Sun Pork Festival sort of worked as well. And how was that, um, that Sun Pork Festival? Um, look, I thought it was great. It was one of those competitions. We've done it two, two times now. And, well, both times we've got RGC there. So you just you slowly get to know where your flavours are, are going to work with competition barbecue and and we find within sort of on the eastern side of, of Australia sort of thing, our, our flavours work pretty good, um, you know, because we're always up there in the, in the competitions like Bangalore, for instance, our first year at Bangalore, we finished third. The next year, we finished third. And then um, Lucas and I um, went as GC and, and RGC together. So we knew that we were eventually going to sort of get there. We just had to fine-tune some things because, um, you know, they really liked our, our sort of flavour profile. Um, your competition on the Gold Coast – um, I've done that twice and our sort of flavours didn't work there on the Gold Coast. Um, we sort of just hung around the, the middle of the pack, so to be as a mid-packer. But when we um, do like 
Bundaberg, our, our pork ribs and, and our beef up there, uh, a hit up there. So with the sun pork, we RGC twice there. So it's sort of one of those things where you just sort of keep going back if you if you score pretty highly or you're up there, sort of go back and um, we write down all of our recipes that we use, which is pretty much the same thing over over again. But I could tell you the sort of what pork sauce I had um, at Melbourne Meat Stock when I went and done Melbourne Meat Stock in 2017. All oh, right. Wow. So you're that consistent with the different products that you use? Um, pretty much sort of once we found what what products work well with one another, we sort of always just stuck to a sort of a, a base sort of thing with, with the sources that we use and, and things like that. Sort of just tend to tweak it a little bit for – um, sort of different areas that we go to. Very nice, very cool. Now, you did mention earlier that um, the competition in Bangalore where you and Lucas kind of teamed up together, um, that was the year that I was up there uh, with you as well. There was there was Lucas on the corner and then you and then us and then uh, Double Barrel Barbecue. I, I don't know how we ended up on that row with you guys. <laughs> we should have been way out the back, but uh, yeah, I, I got to watch you and and Lucas work together. You're both there competing solo, but uh, it was just it, it was just seamless the way that that you two work together. Now earlier in today's interview, you were saying about how you have up to eight people on a team. So, what's it like competing solo versus competing in a team? Well, competing competing. Um Solo, I mean, you've got to, you've really got to make sure that you have, have got a run sheet. You, you you know what you're going to do at particular times. You've got to make sure you hit what, what you call hitting your timelines. You've got to make sure that you hit your timelines. Got to make sure that you've got a, an easy to read sort of run sheet. Um, you've got to make sure that you've, got a, a refined sort of solo cook that you can do. If the hand in windows are only half an hour and things like that, do you really need to be slicing two briskets to find out which brisket is better or just baby the one brisket make it the best that you've got? Um, you know, you don't want to take any shortcuts when you're by yourself because if it doesn't work, down the road, it's going to take you twice as long, so you're going to end up sort of wasting more time, um, and pretty much don't do anything that you haven't tried before. If you if you you want to stick to tried and true methods that you've used before, you, you don't want to be trying anything new just because it's easier when you're by yourself because you you can get flustered and you can get um, sort of distracted as well. So you, you don't want to be oh no if I skip that, I can skip that step, I can do it. You want to absolutely stick to your timelines. Yeah, very important. Now, you mentioned the run sheet before. I've seen everything from a cardboard box torn up with Sharpie writing on it all the way up to iPads connected to 42-inch plasma screens put up inside the tent. Where do you guys fit in terms of your run sheets? Do you put it on paper and stick it on a whiteboard or is it just written on the whiteboard in whiteboard marker? It's... Written on a whiteboard for people to see, but also to 
when it, as you say, with like competing solo and things like that, I'll have a, uh, I'll go through and write out a run sheet. If it's just like Dave and myself, um, the, the good thing about working with Dave is I'll say like, okay, in, it says here five minutes, we've got a spritz of brisket and, and Dave will be like, well, I've just done it because we're, we're so sort of in tune with one another. Um, he, he's always right there sort of thing, being able to jump in and do any part of the cook. So, um, yeah, it's just pretty much the whiteboard's there for people to see, but we do have a um, a piece of paper that people can look at and see where we're up to. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so in the third part of this uh, of this podcast episode, we're going to talk open beef. So I'm pretty much just going to throw it all over to you and you can give, uh, share all your insights into open beef. I'm fascinated to hear what you have to say. Well, I think with the open categories um, that we've been able to do, rather than just your, your main four or, or five with the lamb, I think the open categories myself um, are, are a great thing. And I think open beef is such a, a great way to be able to showcase how good, you know, Australian produce actually is. You know, we're a, a big beef nation and I do believe that we should be able to um, – turn in a, a nice rib fillet steak and put it up against a, a brisket. I really do. Um, you know, the judges are, are trained enough that they know what they like. When it comes to taste, well, they like that taste, they'll score it accordingly. Um, you know, there's the argument of how does a, a steak cooked in five minutes out do a, a 10 hour brisket sort of thing when they're two totally different cooks. Well, that's the, that's the, you know, the game we play. Are you prepared to put up a, a nice Wagyu steak up against the brisket sort of thing? Um, there's nothing to say that you can't put both cuts of meat into the, into the box and, and try your luck that way. Um, we did open beef at the uh, Ipswich barbecue comp that was on, in 2019 and our box was steak and we also turned in some burn-ins and I think we got second or third place in the open beef category. So I'm definitely a um, an, an open category sort of person where I, I do believe that we should be showcasing exactly how good we can cook in that regard. Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting point that you make there because the judges are trained – but they're not trained to evaluate degree of difficulty. That's not a criteria. So when it comes down to it, it is all about taste. And I've heard some teams say that they will put in a steak as part of a strategy. So if they think that uh, that a ton of people are, are putting in brisket, they'll put in a steak just to give the judges something different to sort of grab their attention. What do you think of that as a strategy? Absolutely. I mean, you know, burn-ins being that soft – beef marshmallow sort of goodness that they are, 
but also to having a a wagyu steak with you know a real creamy sort of texture and that as well. I mean, if you can put both pieces in a box and do them well, um, I, I think you've got a better chance of of winning that particular category. I really do. I do love the idea of opening up a, a box like yours and seeing the Wagyu steak and the uh, and the uh, burnt ends. I love that idea. It's actually making me hungry right now. We shouldn't even be talking about it. But uh, um, as a butcher, what insights do you have into different cuts that we might start seeing in open beef? Like what's what's underutilized that would grab a judge's attention? Um, what well, cut? I mean, people don't – we always jump for the rib fillet steak if, if we're going to do a, a steak cook. Um, I think sirloin steak is a, is, is a great steak to be able to cook as well. It's the, the bigger piece of meat in a T-bone. Um, I do believe that cooked well. Um, you know, your eye fillets, if it's not – cooked super well it doesn't have a lot of marbling can sort of dry out um people are, are doing a, a lot of sort of skirt steak at the moment slicing it really thin um that there is is um a fall apart meat if it's cooked properly as well so there's definitely definitely a few cuts um around that people are sort of experimenting with and it won't take long till somebody develops uh, an amazing way of cooking it to be able to showcase it um, up against a 10-hour brisket. Interesting. Skirt steak versus 10-hour brisket. I would love to see that. Well, this is the thing. It's, it's just one of those categories that when you start to nail a particular protein and a particular cut and you start to master it and you get it right all the time, it's it's – going to be your go-to isn't it yeah no doubt do you think we're going to see things like shin for example i've seen some beautiful photos of uh, low and slow beef shin coming up through instagram at the moment what do you think of that um i mean shin and and that sort of thing um is is really good for for pulled so if you wanted to include that in your in your in your in some beef pulled now um i've put some boxes up on for people asking before um, if you've overcooked your brisket, what what have you turned in? And I've shown people that actually I have turned in pulled brisket and burn ends, but you've got to make it tasty. Everyone else has turned in slices and um, Wingham was a perfect example. Um, I actually turned in, a box that was pulled beef and two rows of burn ends and we got we got a fifth place call for that. You've just got to make sure that it tastes good and you've also got to make sure that it just doesn't look like any other pulled beef or um, some pulled pork or whatever. You've got to make it visually appealing because that's where it all starts when they open the box make it visually appealing that they want to eat it and they've already got some sort of um, this is going to taste good. 
you know, mm. you eat with your eyes first sort of thing. So definitely if you overcook your brisket, you need to make sure that it's, um, if you're going to be able to pull it, that it actually does look um, visually appealing. Beautiful. And so is that much the same for things like beef cheeks then? Uh, beef cheeks, we, we sort of, because of the sort of gelatinous fat that they um, that they have, we sort of tend to make sure that if we do turn in beef cheeks, and we have done before, that we, we when we do um, actually start to pull them, we try and get the, into finer sort of strands and any sort of gelatinous fat will um, sort of be able to wipe off with a, a paper towel and showcase the bark more than anything as well. Ah, some good tips there. Very cool. Absolutely. So we've talked about the the steak and burnt ends. What would be some other top combos people should be considering? Um, some other combos. Um, I mean, with the it's it's another. It doesn't have to be just steak, and it doesn't have to be just brisket. I mean, as as we've just said before, there's no reason why we couldn't turn in some um, some pulled beef shin but also um, do some um, beef ribs, lay some beef ribs out nicely, do some beef ribs in the cubes and put those in the box as well. Like there's, it's pretty much endless what you want to do. You could put in some nice chuck slices that are cooked really well. I mean, if you haven't tried um, a chuck on the barbecue, which is sort of with the way that the animal is, it's sort of like a, a sister steak comes right off um, from where the, the brisket comes off sort of thing up around the, the neck and that as well, but it also comes down in that part. It's um, it's another great cut. It's got another big muscle that runs through the, the centre of it, which is um, the end of uh, which is the end of the rib fillet sort of thing that runs up through there. So if you take that muscle out and um, rub it and, and get a nice bark on it, it's amazing too. So even turning in those sorts of slices as well, um, you know, pulled chuck is another thing that you'd be able to to do. Um, the eye of a the eye of a silver side, um, if we could get that and cook that fairly well, there's another cut that you'd be able to turn in that'd be um, that'd be beautiful. Um, round, sliced really thin, um, almost shaved um, is another great sort of barbecue. Um, thing we've we've had that before. Um, I've never actually turned it in, but just on sandwiches and, and things like that, it'd be great. Just add your sauce and make sure you've got some salt to go with it, because we all know that um, beef can beef can take a bit of salt. So make sure that you've got that. But there's plenty of combinations for an open beef. We have such a we have such a a great beef industry. And, and being able to showcase it through an open beef category um, rather than just, you know, briskets and, and things like that. It's, we, we need the open beef category. Mate, you, you have taken the words right out of my mouth. And hopefully if we make some of the other cuts a bit more popular, maybe the cost of brisket will come back down and be a bit more affordable again. Well, I'm hoping so, mate. <laughs> you know, as I say, every, every brisket that I did – when I was an apprentice, I used to end up in, in diced beef sort of thing. So it's, it's uh, I can't believe that it's such, you know, $20 a kilo for a brisket. Oh, mate, 
when I first started cooking brisket around I'd 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, I'd, I'd go and buy a whole, you know, pack of brisket for 40 bucks, 50 bucks. And I just bought two to, to do for the uh, Smoking Hot Confessions Christmas party at the end of the year. And, um, mate, I walked out of there with $250 for two briskets. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, with the, the way that, um, uh, you know, Australia's unfortunately gone through with, uh, um, you know, we had those floods up north earlier and then now that we've had um, all these fires and things like that, it's unfortunately it's going to push the, the cost of beef even more now. It will. It will. Yeah. Not a... Uh not a not a pretty picture to be to be looking at there, but um, at least uh, the fires seem to be abating at the moment. So that's that's great news. Absolutely. Well, all right, man. That sort of rounds us out to about an hour now. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you. Um, give some shout outs to whoever you'd like, and tell everybody where they can follow Country Boys Barbecue. No worries. Um, well, it's just a shout out to everybody that makes barbecue great. Really, we've got lots of friends out there. Um, you know, as, as I said, our, our mates down in Sydney, um, also to, um, obviously my mate Lucas, um, Scotty from East Blacklands, James and the team from Butterbeard. Um, but, um, yeah, pretty much that everybody that is, is going out and, um, cooking barbecue, buddy. Um, Country Boys is on Facebook as Country Boys Barbecue. On Insta, it's Country Boys Barbecue Australia. Um, there are two sort of social media platforms that we use. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Well, look, I'm just going to say thank you very much for coming on board the show and sharing all that fantastic information with us. I'm hoping I'm hoping people were taking notes because you were dropping some absolute gold there, man. Thank you very much for taking your time on uh, on this evening. It's uh, we're after nine o'clock now. It's on a school night. So uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Ben. Thanks for having us. One other thing, and Seven Sins Barbecue from America. Them guys, are, them guys have been with us. They were our first sponsor and them guys are great. They're family. So well, I, thanks. I actually met Jesse up at uh, Toowoomba in 2018. Yep, yep. He's a top dude. Mate, he is, he is a, a great bloke, as I said. He's family for us. Um, he came, he stayed at our house. We went and stayed um, in the States with him and, and his family. He was our, our first sponsor. He's always, even now, is up for giving us advice and tips and things like that. Um, so, you know, his, his products are absolutely amazing. There's so many teams that get out and use his rubs in particular his pecan rubs and and things like that you know um it's it's just amazing so you pick those up i think from like smoke and sorcery and i know that low and slow Miko also stock them as well and i mean you can hit up lucas at roll and smoke he's just got a whole heap in so jesse's definitely um done some good things for australian barbecue for sure there you go, folks. You heard it. Hit up Lucas. Raid his personal stash. That's it. That's it. And that's it for today's show, folks. Massive shout out to Dan from Country Boys Barbecue for coming on board the confessional. And if you know Dan personally, then you'll know he is a busy, busy man. So we were very privileged to have him 
to have had him here with us uh, today. Uh, he's already kicking some serious goals this early in 2020. Got a good couple of call-ups there up in um, uh, Harvey Bay. Um, so I'm keen to see how the rest of the year is going to pan out for him, and I'm sure that you are too. So that is it for today. I'm going to leave you with one last thought. If you're looking for the hottest barbecue merch out there, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop and check it out. There's a link in the description for this episode. And if you buy a shirt, a cap or a tumbler, I will love you forever because that will give us a couple of bucks towards our trip. We're going to the NBBQA conference in Louisville in April and I'm actually going to be presenting on stage. It is going to be awesome. Really looking forward to it. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.